our text is going to be Psalm 127 this morning, not the book of Isaiah, Psalm 127. And so uh, let's turn there. If you get a copy of the scripture, there should be one in front of you if you don't have one. Uh, we do have a class for children. We'll let them be dismissed now. If you would like them to go, your parents, it's up to you. They can stay in here. Or kids up through age 8 can go on to a uh, special class for them at this time. Psalm 127. I'd like to begin this morning by really just reading this psalm together. So let's take a look. Using a house Bible, it's page 518, Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is pain for you to rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb of reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the good things. That's what we do. Created in the image of God, we create. Just like he is the creator. We build. And uh, then in addition to that, notice also that uh, we watch. That's the other verb there. We watch over the city, which is uh, a kind of sustaining or maintaining of something, guarding it a city that's been established. So we both create things, we bring things into existence, we form things from what God has given to us, and then those things that we have created and formed and established, we maintain them, we preserve them, we defend them, we guard them, whether it's your house or, or a city that's being built and, and then maintained, uh, everything, and this pretty much encompasses all life, right? Whether you're creating a family or maintaining and guarding and preserving and training that family, or whether you're talking about a business that you begin and then you maintain as time goes on, or, or a church that's founded and preserved, or a, or a nation, or anything else. This is really the sum total of our lives, of human endeavors. We create in the image of God, and we preserve and maintain those things that we have created, defend them, cause them to flourish, hopefully. So these are the two things in which human beings are involved, and notice it's not only true in the first stanza, but it's true in the second stanza, verses 3 to 5 as well, although it is implied there. There are families that, uh, where a husband and wife come together and create, bring into existence children. And then what do they spend the rest of their lives doing? Defending, maintaining, preserving, training, teaching, building up that household that they have founded together. And so really both of these stances are kind of along these same lines. This is what we do as people. Now I want you to also notice that in these uh, stances there are two actors. Right? So look back again at verse 1. Who is it that builds unless the Lord builds? And then the Lord watches over the city. In verse 2, what does he say? The Lord gives 
to his beloved sleep. So this is the Lord at work again. And then in verse 3, it's the Lord that gives children, right? They're a heritage from the Lord. They're his reward. All of these indicate that God is the actor. This is a hugely God-centered worldview. That behind all of the activities, all of the actions that take place in our world and throughout history, God is the ultimate actor. God is behind all of it. God is working. God is building. God is maintaining. And this is in such a stark contrast to a secular worldview, which says that, you know, building is just building. And watching is just watching. And sleeping is just sleeping. And making babies is just making babies. And all of it is purely natural. It's just the activity of human beings. And the Bible is far from that. Right, in its view of things. There is a God behind all of the activities of human endeavor. It is a God-centered worldview. But there's not only a God in view as the actor here in these things, but, but there's another actor. And you can just see it in the way the words fall out. Right? Verse 1. Those who build. And then later on in the verse it speaks of the watchman. So there's a man who keeps watch over the city. There's a person or a group of people who build a house. And in verse 3, there is the, be the beginning, the conceiving, and the bearing, and the caring for children. And what does that imply but human action? So there are human elements involved in, in a new year. And this is necessary for all human endeavor, that we be active and involved. And this is something that God has ordained. And God doesn't intend for us as believers to just sit back and sort of let go and let God, right? We are to be involved. We're to be acting. We're to be building things. We're to be preserving things. None of us should just say, well, you know, can you imagine a farmer who just goes out to his farm and he says, I'm a Christian farmer and this is my philosophy of farming. I'm not going to plow up my field and I'm not going to plant any seeds and I'm not going to, you know, clean out the weeds and I'm not going to till the ground and I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to wait for God because I trust in the Lord. You know, I think Spurgeon said, a year will go by and that farmer will have a different tune, right? He'll find out very quickly that God has ordained that we be involved and diligently labor to create and to preserve things that he's given to us to do. So, to a family who will not budget their resources and live within their means and then say to themselves, well, God will provide, they'll quickly learn that God has ordained that we be active. To the man who will not work and says, well, God will give me food, God will provide, the Bible says neither should he eat. And he'll quickly learn that God is ordained that we be active. The parent who lets his child run wild and fails to just teach and to discipline and to train he says, well, God will build my house. God says, you're a fool. To the Christian who says, well, God will save souls. Salvation is of the Lord. And does not labor to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Bible says, well, I the Christian who says, you know, God, God is for me. God has saved me. God will sanctify me. I'll just get holy when I'll get holy. I'll conquer sin when, I, when he gives me victory over sin. Until then, I'm just going to just coast through life. Again, the Lord 
says, you fool. The Lord, it is clear, right? There are two actors, and, and, and both are active in this text. God builds, and we build. God defends and preserves, and we defend and preserve. The scripture tells us that we have that responsibility. Work out your own salvation. The Bible says, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and all of the Christian graces. Giving all diligence, do that. Right? So none of us should, should walk out and say, you know, this passage taught me that I need to just sit back and relax and not work so hard and not really try in my family or in whatever it is, my business or my calling. No, we are most definitely to be faithful actors. But when you read this, it becomes clear that one actor is, is ultimate. One actor and his action alone brings about the effectiveness of his purposes. And it's very clear in the text. Unless the Lord builds, they labor in what? In vain. That's the repeated word right here. They labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city that you're watching over, then all of your watching is vain. It's vain, verse 2, to rise up early and to stay up late eating the bread of sorrows if the Lord is not in it. And the same thing is applied in the second stanza. All, all your bearing of children and rearing them and all of the work and the labor that goes into that, all of that is vain without the Lord. Unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. If the Lord doesn't do the work ultimately, then our work, however smart we might think it is, however ingenious, however disciplined we think ourselves to be, unless the Lord, our God, works in all of our labor, is empty, futile, and pointless. It is vain. If the Lord doesn't build the house, a man might still build the house. In one sense, all of his building would be pointless, valueless in the real scheme of things. Perhaps he will even find his work destroyed. He builds a house and what he labored so long to create, God in the end destroys. And you know, listen, that is true of everything that man creates apart from the will of God, apart from the work of God. It all is burned up like so much wood, hay, and stone, right? He may build a house, but what he labored so long to create the Lord destroys in the end. And the Lord may even do that now. <laughs> Remember Haggai, uh, the prophet, uh, spoke to the people Judah who had come back into the promised land after 70 years of exile, and they saw the temple of God that was lying in ruins. And they began to work to build the house of God again. But before very long, remember that they got distracted, and rather than focusing on the Lord and His glory, they began to really give their attention to their own houses, 
to make their houses beautiful and fancy with all kinds of paneled work and, and to just really live for their own agenda. And the prophet Haggai comes to them and he says, do you understand where you are now? You are experiencing futility in your attempt to build your own houses. And he likened it to this. He said, you're making money and just putting it into a bag with holes. Right? You ever feel like that's the way it is with the money? Sometimes you're, you, can, you get the money and you're like, where did it go? But man may build things, but apart from God's work, it is all pointless, it's futile, it's meaningless. And even if it stands for a long, long time in this age, under the sun, yet there is coming a day when all of it will be proved to be nothing but vanity. And wise people see that now. Or maybe he built a house, but at the end of the day, that house doesn't accomplish what he thought that it would accomplish. There are many people who are building lots of things and have great expectations for those things, only to find at the end of the day that there really is no satisfaction, there really is no deep, lasting value in those things. Or those who watch the city, if they are watching over, keeping watch over the city without the Lord, without the Lord's working in keeping that city, they might be as diligent as they can possibly be, watching and scanning the horizon for the enemy to come, and the enemy's tumbling underneath and coming up in the backyard. Right? Or they set a watch, and all of their people are watching to the west, which is where the enemy will come from, and the enemy sneaks over the east too. Or they set up a watch 24 hours around the city, every direction. They've got everything covered you can possibly imagine. I mean, we're going to do this in our strength. And they don't realize that the enemy had already infiltrated their city a week before they set up the watch. I mean, the list is endless. It, it is, there are a thousand ways that all of our work, apart from the work of the divine sovereign God, of all of our labors, in the end, will this prove to be futile, empty, worthless, vain, and passing? Remember what James admonished us, brothers, sisters? He, he said, some of you say, I'm going to go into such and such a town, and I'm going to set up a business and buy and sell, trade, Make a profit. And he says, You fool, you should say, If the Lord what? If the Lord wills, we will go into such and such a town and to buy and sell and make a profit. If the Lord does not work in all of our labors to create or to defend, to sustain, to cause the work, then all of our labors are vain. They're all few. So when you go to the, when you find yourself ill, and you visit the doctor, and you take the prescription, which to me seems like a wise thing to do, when you go home, you ought to get up your knees and say, Lord, you heal me. Right? Because if the Lord does not work, we labor in vain. When you head to work, you get in your car and you fight that traffic going downtown or wherever it is you go. You start getting on the phone and making those phone calls early in the morning. You should say, oh Lord, would you provide for us? 
For it is not my labor, it's not my brains, it's not my diligence that provides for my family to you. Unless the Lord builds, unless the Lord watches, we labor in vain. Young person, when you get ready to study for that test, you try to commit all those facts to memory at least long enough to get to the test. You should say, oh Lord, would you help? Would you give grace that I may be prepared for what you called me to do? For without you, all of my labor is vain. For you who have tried or are trying to have children, you should get on your knees and say, Lord, this is your prerogative. You are the giver of life and you alone. And you know, sometimes we learn a very meaningful experience that God is sovereign over life. Life and death are in his hands. But when you continue to watch over that city that you created, that little home with all of those children teaching and training, disciplining and guiding and instructing, friend, none of us should say, hey, listen, if I just do everything right, then it'll all go well. If I just do everything by the book, then I'm going to have great kids and a wonderful family. Oh, every one of us should get on our knees and say, Lord, please be gracious. If you do not build the house, if you do not watch over our city, then all of our labors are nothing. Lord, we need you. You know, isn't it true that the Lord sometimes shows us that that is true? Sometimes in painful ways. Always for May we see it, hear it, believe it, take it to heart. Unless the Lord works, all of your work, I don't care how smart you are or how diligent you are, all of your work is in vain. Even rising up early and going to bed late. Notice that? He says, it's vain to rise up early and go to bed late. Some people are incredibly diligent, get up at 3 o'clock in the morning. Work till 2 o'clock at night. 2 o'clock in the morning. So they sleep. Those Americans, we like to boast in how little we sleep. How we sleep five hours a day. How we sleep four hours. But he says, it is vain for you to rise up early and go to bed late. I mean, boy, I think my children have really taken that verse to heart. It's vain to rise up early and go to bed late, eating the bread of anxious oil. And, and of course, it's not diligence. Even long hours that are being condemned. We just read Proverbs 31, right? And this woman rises before day to provide for her household, and she stays awake all night sometimes. It's not, it's not saying that, that God condemns diligence. What is condemned is diligence apart from dependence. It is self-sufficiency in my view of my labors, my diligence, my efforts, and all of my work. It is vain to get up early and go to bed late eating the bread of anxious toil. When anxiety over whether you've done enough to bring the outcome that you desire just absolutely overwhelms and even paralyzes you sometimes. The weight of the whole world, your whole family, everything just hangs right on your shoulders and you've got to do it all. And and, and so stay up late and get up early and work hard and do, do everything because it all, it all is going to come down to you. 
this is not an undercutting of the diligent use of the means that God has ordained for us to, to, uh, to, to do to bring about his purposes. Building, we get up there and we build and we watch and we create and we sustain, even getting up early and rising, uh, rising early and staying up late, but the Lord would have us do it in dependence, in even conscious dependence on him. Do we live that way? I mean, do we, we live that way occasionally. <laughs> but it would be that the Lord would have us always have in our view, I need you in this. Oh Lord, I need you. I need you. Whatever it is that I'm building and I'm creating or I'm sustaining. This is a call to conscious dependence on the Lord. And you know what the testimony is of that dependence? What's the evidence of your dependence on the Lord? Look right in the verse. Verse 2, the end of the verse. Something unusual you might not expect. Here's a testimony that you really trust God. Say, so we, uh, how do you know he really trusts God? Well, here's the way the, 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 uh, the psalmist here said Because he goes to sleep. Sleep is your testimony of dependence. How about that? He sleeps. The Lord gives to his beloved sleep. It's named for him to stay up early, rise up late. The Lord would have him to, to do what? To work hard. To be absolutely diligent. He must work. He must watch. He is to be diligent, working all day long to create, to maintain, to foster, to cause to flourish, knowing that the Lord blesses those who depend upon him. And then at the end of the night, he lays his head on the pillow and he says, Lord, thank you. Thank you for doing what I cannot do. And he takes his rest. That's what's being pictured here. This is perhaps how the Lord, our Lord, Jesus, was able to lay his head down in that boat on that sea that was filled with winds and waves and takes rest in dependence on God. Can you go to bed that way? Really? I mean, this is, this is the evidence, isn't it? I mean, isn't that sort of the way this is supposed to function? Right? Don't be all anxious staying up late and getting up early that it, it's all on, on you. But be able to just say, Lord, if you don't do this, then, then it, it, it won't be done. And then, then to be able to go to sleep and say, Lord, I'm trusting you about this. Trust me. You know the Lord, he neither slumbers nor sleeps, right? He's working while you're resting. That is the working that is ultimately efficient. His work alone. And so we can lay down our heads and sleep in dependence on the Lord. And why? You know, there's something, there's one more word here in this little line at the end of verse 2 that I want to see. We are able to lay down and sleep in dependence on the Lord because we are a certain kind of person. How's it described here? Who, who, who is able to lay their head down and go to sleep? He gives to who sleep? His, yeah, his beloved. His beloved. He gives sleep to his beloved. That's a sweet word. Uh, the root of that word is used most often in one book of the Bible. It is a song. A song of Solomon. 
same author as this text here. The Song of Songs, the Song of Solomon. And of course, in that text, it's a term for a lover, a spouse, a dear one. And this is the way the Lord wants you to think about it. Right? So you're laboring, you're working, you're creating this family, you're preserving, you're defending this family, you're teaching, you're training. And at the end of the day, you put your head on your pillow, having said, Lord, all my labors, I've done my best, and it hasn't been but not to me. I've done my best, and I'm just going to ask you, please, Lord, be gracious and do what I cannot do. You put your head on your pillow because you know you are God's beloved. His own beloved. And the Lord takes care of his bride like the best of husbands. He laid down his life for his beloved. <clears throat> you talk about a good husband. You might think of a man who's willing to risk his life. I think any, any good husband would do this, right? He would, he would, he would literally risk his life for his spouse for the people that he loves. He would lay his life on the line. That is exactly what our Lord Jesus did for people who didn't even love him first. For people who had no care for him. He gave himself up on a cross so that all who come to sorrow over their sin, to acknowledge their rebellion against God, and who put their trust and hope and faith in him, may themselves become God's beloved. What does the Bible say? We are accepted in Him who is the beloved one of God. And in Him, you are beloved. You are God's child. And if there's anybody here who's outside of that love of God, you are not united to God's beloved one and only Son. It's my earnest desire, my prayer, that even today, even today, would acknowledge your sin against the Holy God, your need, your desire to be reconciled with that God through the shed blood, the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ his Son. Those people, his beloved, in the beloved, he gives sin. Because he takes care of them. He works in and through their work. And like the greatest of husbands, he provides for his beloved. He protects his beloved. He bears the burdens of his beloved so that he brings all of their cares upon himself so that what can his beloved do? So that she can sleep. So that she can rest. He says, I'll take care of us. I'll take care of us. That's what God does for his people. And so he says, don't think of it this way. Don't think about all of your work and all of your diligence and all of your labor as ultimately bringing about the purposes that I have for you. Know that I'm doing it. And I will use your labors. But you depend on me. Apart from me, all of your labor is in vain. So when you work hard, you create, you maintain. Brothers and sisters, I hope we can do it with restful dependence. Isn't that, isn't that really what's being spoken about here? Restful dependence on God. Lay my head, knowing that I am beloved of the Lord. Everything ultimately depends on Him. And really, the same is true in the second stanza, verses 3 to 5 here. Think about all of the work 
bringing children into the world and rearing them and providing for them and nursing them and protecting them and training them and correcting them and providing for them, all of that. That's a lot of work. Just ask any mama with you know, a couple or three or four or five or seven or eight kids. Um, a lot of work. And all of that work, in terms of our households, must be done in conscious dependence on the Lord. Without the Lord's blessing, all of our labors, early morning, rising up, sleepless nights with that squawking little one, all of our worry and anxiety and labor through those teenagers, all of that, without the Lord, without the Lord is anything futile, pointless, waste time and energy. All of our teaching and our lecturing and our disciplining and our monitoring and our tracking and our advising it is not what ultimately is going to be effective. The Lord uses all of that, but ultimately we have to come to Him and say, Oh Lord, all of my labor is in me when you not build a house. Let no young couple think, but well, we will have children when we think the time is right. We could just have them or not have them. It's just within our power. No, it is of the Lord. The Lord wills. Let no one think that a household is anything, a household that is blessed is anything but the Lord's doing in the ultimate sense. Children are the Lord's blessing. They are. Isn't that what the text says? Look at verse 4. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of God's youth. Verse 5. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with Blessed. So, blessed are you who have children. On this Mother's Day, I want to say that children are a blessing to God's people. Children are a blessing to God's people. In the world, you know, acknowledges that children are nice to have in some ways. They, they can be a lot of work and a big pain. Let's just be honest, right? And so, you, you, you have your one or two, and then don't let, don't let it derail you. Don't let it get you off track, and you know, they're expensive after all, and they're a whole lot of work. The Lord says, no, think of them as a blessing from the Lord. And he says, well, don't you know how much food costs these days? Are you going to feed how many mouths? Don't you know how much clothing costs? I mean, just go to the mall and walk into those stores and look at what people are paying for those things. I mean, I, I don't do that very often, and I did it a few times, and I got, I, 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 it was an awakening. Right? I, I wouldn't even well, I can't even go there. I just, you know how much food costs? You know how much clothing costs? You know what college costs these days? No. First of all, this should be a reminder to all of us that we live with a whole different set of values from the world around us, don't we? Amen? Right? You don't have to have the costliest name brand clothes from the department store or the store in the mall. And, and you know, young, young people, as people who actually have style, where your parents have forgotten what that is long ago, you people who have style, right? Remember this. Your parents are working for something much more valuable than how you look and how you fit in. Their, their desire is for children who love and live for the Lord. We don't have to live like the world does. 
Shoes that cost $100, $200. Fancy house. Brand new furniture. There's this wonderful thing called Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace. I mean, I, just say, I, this is great. Pr practical, but, or, or, you know, borrow from the neighbor or, I mean, not your neighbor, but hand me down stuff from your neighbors or, or from your... Uh, from, from other people in the church. That's always a wonderful thing. When I see people bringing bags of clothes to the church and handing them out to other people, that's, just, that's wonderful. Literally, we have a whole different set of values. The world will just pump you full of, you need this and you need that and you can never make it if you just trust the Lord. Well, we have a whole different world. And, and you know, I've also learned that God pays for many orders. Right? Haven't you learned that? The Lord takes care of his children. Sometimes in ways that we don't even understand. We, we look back and really say, how in the world did I make it through? You know, like, remember the woman, that the widow? I mean, she's completely dependent. She's helpless. She, she's down to her last little bit of, of oil and flour to make a meal for her and her son. And the prophet comes to her, and the Lord puts her faith to the test. And he says, make me a little cake of bread first. And, and she does and remember what happens? The next day she goes to her pantry to, you know, scrape the bottom of the jar, and there's enough to make another meal. Well, lo and behold, there's enough flour and there's enough oil to take care of them that day. There's not enough for three months, but there's enough for today. And then the next day she goes to the pantry, and lo and behold, there's enough for today. And again the next day, and then again the next day. Now, that's the way the Lord provides so often. He looked back and he said, I have no idea. I, I really don't know, but somehow the Lord just took care of us. When I was growing up, my father was in ministry. He was a pastor, assistant pastor, pastor in real small churches. Always had to work, most of my later years anyway, had to work a second job. And uh, one summer, I was, uh, the Lord had called me to prepare uh, to, to communicate the Bible, to go to Bible college and seminary. And I had uh, done my best to save up and work my way through and one summer I was working at a Christian camp. You know how Christian camps pay, right? Zero to, to zero to nothing, something like that. It was very little. And uh, but I, you know, I felt that it was ministry to, to have these young people. When I was there for the summer, in the middle of the summer, my mom called and it was late at night. I came out and talked to them on the phone and found out my father had lost his job. So now we had no money coming from them. And, uh, I believe this was, this, I think this was when my mom was not working here. At least she wasn't making enough to take care of every, everything. And, you know, I just assumed that I would have to drop out and uh, just work and maybe go back one day if the Lord allowed that uh, opportunity. And you know, looking back now, here, here I am all these years later, and you know what? Somehow the Lord provided. I, I don't, to this day, I don't even know. I can point you to some things. God did some unusual things. He brought money to me out of the blue. I wasn't even looking for it. Somebody just gave it. But looking back, I, I wonder, how in the world did we make it through those days? How in the world did God take care of our family, take care of me, and bring me to You know, that's the way God often provides. We don't, we don't see it all ahead of time. We don't know. The Lord takes care of Children are a blessing. Not a curse. Not a burden. They're a blessing from God. And verses 4 and 5 go on to elaborate on that blessing. Right? Verse 4. Notice the way he describes the, the blessed nature of man's children. Verse 4. They're like what? They're like arrows in the hand of a warrior. So are the children of his youth 
Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate, the city gate. So here's the picture, right? Here is an older man whose children, the children of his youth, have grown. Maybe he's in his 60s, there and there. 30s, 40s. And he's standing at the city gate, and there in front of him is his enemy. And his enemy is threatening, he's menacing, but this man is not intimidated. Why? Because those children of his youth stand shoulder to shoulder behind him, like so many arrows pointed at his enemy. This man stands surrounded by those who he has raised up, who, who have embraced the God of their fathers, who are ready to stand. You know, I think, think of the world that we live in, and the culture, and the evident perverseness of our society in so many ways. And, uh, even looking around, it seems like our world is getting worse and worse. And we look at that and we think of all of the enemies of all that is godly in the world. And what is our defense? We kind of think of it this way, in terms of this passage. Multitudes of godly families with quivers full of children, generations to come, who by the grace of God stand alongside their fathers and mothers against this tide of ungodliness and righteousness and injustice and wickedness. Blessed. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of ammunition like that to stand in the face of the onslaught of the enemies of God. Now, how can that come to be the case? The answer is only by the grace of God. Unless the Lord builds that house, then they who build it, they who watch over it, they labor in vain. This is a call to conscious, prayerful dependence on God in every aspect of our human endeavors. You have not because you ask not. The Bible draws a causal connection, causal connection between praying and God's blessing. Not that prayer is some kind of ultimate cause, God is the ultimate cause, but prayer is a secondary cause, a means that God uses, dependence, prayerful, humble, earnest and dependence on him. Lord, I need you or all my labor is in vain. So, brothers and sisters, build your house. Go away today and build and defend and maintain. Equip. Discipline. Further that work. Build your house. Build it on God's word. Build it with discipline. Build it with instruction and righteousness. Build it in church. 
Spend every effort in your home with all diligence, teach and train your children. Labor day and night, but do so in, above all, dependence on God. Be on your face before the Lord. All is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One comes in. Brethren, pray. Holy manna will be showered all over. Our Father, we acknowledge that there have been many times when you have made us to feel and to see, to sense our dependence on you. Sometimes painfully so. You have reminded us. We are so thankful that you have called us your, your beloved. And we pray that you would grant us eyes to see our real need more consistently. And so rest in conscious dependence upon you. We pray you would bless our labors. Our labors would be according to your word and your will, that you would bless them. Bless our homes, bless our families, bless our children. Father, all of these things are entirely beyond us. Please, Lord, be gracious in the face of our inconsistencies and our failures as builders and maintainers of what you call us to. Please, Lord, would you do the work for your glory, in your namesake.